Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ. Welcome to episode 40 of the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon. And I'm Lynn. And we are happy to be your hosts for today as we uh, dive into another episode. We've got lots of great things um, in store for you. We're going to be talking about our book that we're currently working through, 12 Faithful Women. So we'll talk about three more women in this episode. Um, We're also going to have a lovely conversation with Jalissa Weber and uh, share another art piece and a teaching time about faithfulness. So lots of good things in store. But before we jump into the book discussion, we've been sharing with you some of our favorite podcasts. And so we're going to do that again today as we start. So Lynn, can you, what is the, the podcast or the app that you would like to share today? So I struggled a little bit thinking about which one to share. And, and then I thought we just had a a sermon uh, this past week and if you check your dates you'll be able to tell when we're actually recording as a result but um, that's a little extra homework for you if you're really curious <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Charles Price spoke at church this past Sunday and he has I think a fairly new website and I've just been starting to look through it um, a little bit Um, But he's got actually like sermons on here. You can go through and listen to a whole series on Philippians, on Romans, on Matthew. um, And he's got devotions as well, um, little devotionals. But it's not exactly a a podcast, but it's, it's a little more than a podcast, really. And you can download it and have it on your phone and then just listen in whenever you want. So I thought that was pretty cool. So it's an app as well, right? It is an app, I, I believe. Well, I guess there would be a website as well. Yeah. But yes, it's an app that you can download and have. So I, I that's what I did. I downloaded it and then immediately forgot until <laughs> we started talking <laughs> about this. But I think it, um, yeah, it has potential, I think, to be very, very good. I hit. He was very challenging on Sunday, and so I just think it would be neat to dig into that a little more. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, the podcast that I want to share with you today is new. Um, it's called Launch, and it's with Jamie Ivey and Lisa Whittle, and it is a parenting podcast. So it's oh. all about um, that season when you're about to or in the process of launching kids oh into the my, world. Oh, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's my really- kids might disagree. <laughs> It's really challenging because, you know, uh, for me, Mason is in grade 12. So I'm thinking about, you know, post-secondary and, you know, all the big decisions that he's going to be making in the next year or so. And I have to admit, some days I, um, you know, want to cram every last bit of, you know, teaching and things we missed (laughs) in in the next eight months before he leaves our home. Mm -hmm. And then on other days, I kind of throw up my hands in the air and say, well, it's too late. You know, we're we're out of time. But um, this this podcast called Launch really addresses some of those um, things that 
that mamas go through at this season of parenting. So it's really good. I'm excited to check that out because um, anyone who's had any conversation with me in the last couple of years has heard me say that they should really write a book on how to do this kind of parenting, parenting adults, because it is hard. (laughs) (laughs) So that is really interesting. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay, so let's jump into our book discussion, 12 Faithful Women. We've been looking at the lives of of women um, in history and how they have remained steadfast and endured through some pretty pretty tough things. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we'll be talking about Susanna Spurgeon, Wen Wai Chi, and Catherine de Bourbon. So um, let's start with Susanna Spurgeon, and you probably already recognize her name. Yes, her I knew. Uh, yes, yeah, me I'm too. I'm always excited when, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> it's like a little like check mark for some kind of pat myself on the back yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> so she was the wife of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who, you know, was named the, the Prince of Preachers. Quite a quite a um, title. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, Susanna was born in 1832 in London, and she was raised in a society that really valued education, and uh, her parents were able to provide that for her. So she studied, you know, art and music and literature, and um, she was was really a, a good match for, for Charles, who who was very academic himself. So, Lynn, what, what are some things that stood out to you about her life? Well, you know, there is a common theme as we look at these different women. Not every single one, but... Um, well, I'd have to actually think about that. Maybe every single one has like gone through a a significant amount of suffering and that's actually the subtitle for this chapter on Susanna Spurgeon steadfast in suffering Um, she struggled um, physically like she had a lot of issues um, and had to as a result even be apart from her husband when he went away and 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 he had to be apart from her as well because he also struggled with health issues it's again that idea that um, the li- living a life for Christ is not easy. And it doesn't mean that everything just works out perfectly for you. Um, but like she actually says, um, actually I think it's her husband who says in a letter to her that um, most human maladies or illnesses or sicknesses or whatever... Um, for most of them, the best relief and antidote will be found in self-sacrificing work for the Lord Jesus. So that's kind of how they live their lives. Mm-hmm. Quite a testimony. Yeah, her suffering, her physical suffering was so extreme that she was often confined to her bed in pain. Um, but she... She didn't let that stop her No, she raised her boys in scripture. She encouraged Charles. She helped him prepare sermons and projects. She compiled his books. Um and she she founded uh, what was called the Book Fund. Yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, she put um, through this uh, book fund. She put you know excellent biblical resources in the hands of of poor pastors so they could feed their flocks. And and uh, all they had to do was sort of send her a letter and tell her that 
you know, who they were and what they needed, and she would she would provide these books for them. Yeah, and she did all that from her home, from her bed often. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I have a sort of a mixed feelings about reading this book because I, today, like even today, hadn't didn't feel like it had the greatest of days. But compared to the lives of some of these ladies, I don't even have anything to talk about. Oh, I know. We <laughs> so have it's so no- convicting. <laughs> we have nothing to complain about. These women have endured lots of, of hardship and have, you know, remained faithful. So it's it's amazing. I'm trying to find the quote, Lynn, and maybe you can find it where where child, Charles praised her for being such an excellent wife. Was that in here? They definitely are known for their love for one another. And that that I like that testimony a lot too. Yeah. But no, I'm not sure where where you see that. Yeah, I just I re- I remember it saying somewhere in here that he was just so grateful to have such a a godly wife like Susanna. So that's a amazing, you know, affirmation from a husband. Well, there's a a quote here that is taken from her journal, where she's asking God to. Um, anchor her and and so she says and if anyone who likes um you know what's it called word plays or or um you know or you have the same letter just to help you remember that that kind of a thing mnemonics is that what it's called anyway she says anoint me for service lord that in all i do for you either directly or indirectly there may be manifested the power of the holy spirit and the wholehearted earnestness earnestness which only he can supply anoint me for sacrifice so that contrary to my sinful nature self may be overcome and bound and crucified that christ alone may reign in my mortal body and then she says anoint me for suffering if so be your will then i might praise you as i pass through the waters and the fires of affliction Hmm. anoint me for suffering that's a hard prayer (laughs) it is a hard prayer Wow, I found the quote that Charles, in a love letter, wrote to his wife. He said, What an immeasurable blessing you've been to me, and you are still. Your patience in suffering and diligence in service are works of the Holy Spirit in you, for which I adore his name. Mm-hmm. What a, yeah, what a beautiful testimony. Yeah. I like her a lot. And I think she often went by the name of, like, they called her Susie. Like, yeah. I, I, I would like to have known Susie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our second faithful woman. So Wen Wai Chi, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right, but um, I, I hadn't heard of her before. No, I had not either. She was born in uh, China in 1899, so right around the turn of the century. Um, and in those days, poor families often just cast away their baby girls and, and left them to die. But... It says, to her mother's surprise, her father adored her, and he determined that his daughter would be educated as though she were a son. And so her life was spared um, in that way. But she went on to uh, suffer as well. Hugely. Like you almost would think when you hear her story that maybe it would have been better if her father hadn't saved her. Yeah. Which, And I don't say that lightly, but um, quite a hard life. Her father died when she was very young, and then um, some henchmen came because they had owed money and actually took her younger sister away to pay her to pay the father's debt, mm-hmm. which was horrible. Um, and then 
Well, and they were Christians in pre-communist China, which right. was not acceptable. Right. And so they were looked upon as, well, they, the people didn't want anything to do with them. Yeah, yeah. And eventually her and her mother went to um, a hospital because she was very malnourished mm. and had malaria and, and some other things. And the doctor, Dr. McBurney, preached the gospel to her and she immediately believed it said. Um, and she, 60 years later, she recalled, all these experiences were God's grace to me. Mm-hmm. He used sickness and death to break up my home, but he did not cast me off and forsake me. He carried me to his own home to become his child. I love that. Um, She was baptized as a young girl. She was not quite 10, and she insisted on being baptized. And then then the opposition came uh, as she she grew up. So um, she was imprisoned, if I remember correctly. She was imprisoned twice, or arrested twice. And then I don't know if that means she was imprisoned twice, but... Certainly she was, um, yeah, put in jail. Uh, Bible was taken away from her, and I think that was why she was put in jail at least one of the times, because she refused to give up her Bible. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, she, was, and she was a Christian when it was not okay to be one. Yeah. Um, she was forced to into an arranged marriage, um, and her mother-in-law treated her as a slave, it said. Um, She had a baby boy uh, when she was 18. Then she had a baby girl who died 18 days later. Um, And then she found out that her husband um, was having an affair or actually living with another woman, it says. Isn't this a great story? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like, it sounds like a soap opera. It's It's just so discouraging, but... But her faith in Christ did not waver. No. And her oh. her broken marriage, it says, made her possible made it possible for her to continue her education, attend Bible school, and later become a missionary. Well, and at one point, um, a, a guard takes out her Bible, which she has and she's not supposed to have. and and, you know, it's looking like she's going to be possibly imprisoned again or kept from where she wants to go and um, her response is I cannot as many have done reject the grace of God to me I cannot refuse his love to me which is like the love of father and mother it is my duty to love him because the Lord Jesus loved me and gave his own life for me I cannot but love him and also tell others about God's love for them Therefore, Christians are to spread the gospel and give it to others. And she would not give up her Bible. That's amazing. I, it's just incredible how these women, um, even in the face of opposition, and their lives were at risk. And they just kept proclaiming the name of Christ. It's so inspiring isn't even the right word. It, it, it challenges me deeply. And I think... Um, where am I compromising in my life? And, and anyone who's listening, are you compromising? Are there places in your life where you're willing to, to look the other way and compromise your faith um, in what seems like maybe an inconsequential thing? If you're willing to do it in something inconsequential, you won't stand, mm-hmm. be able to stand when it gets really hard. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Very convicting. It is. Our third lady today is Catherine de Bourbon. Um, Probably if we said it in French, it would be Yeah, it different. would sound better. I'm not going to attempt the <laughs> French accent. De Bourbon? I don't know. Yes, probably. So at 13, uh, she became an orphan, and she was... She in, was a princess. She was like, a princess. She was royalty. In we should clarify. France. Yeah. Yeah. Um, born in Paris in 1559. Um, she was in a time in which um, the Roman Catholics and the Protestants, there was some, some tension there. And she... <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> trying to be uh, diplomatic. <laughs> I think both Catholics and Protestants would agree it was a pretty rough time. <laughs> Says tensions erupted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, into civil wars. Okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, so she was royalty. She was a princess. And uh, she was an orphan at a young age. Um, and yeah, again, would not, would not renounce her faith. Yeah, and she was put under immense pressure to to give up her faith, and and she wouldn't do it. Yeah. Her brother eventually became the king, um, and he put pressure on her to yeah. denounce her faith for a, a long time, and she, she would not do it. She... Um, and we're talking, actually, we, it's important, I think, to note... We're talking a young age. Like, her yeah. mother died at it. She was very young. And I was thinking, okay, but she's still, you know, she had that time with her mom. But she was, by the time she was 17, she was serving as regent for her brother. Um, so she was in, in, she was in power at 17. Mm -hmm. So this all happened before that. Yeah, she was very young, and to have everyone around you influencing you so strongly, and for her to stick to her convictions—that uh, like you know, just because you're in a place of power doesn't mean you're still not without out those um, yeah. heavy influences. And her brother had been strong in his faith, but then he gave up Prote Protestantism because um, he was also pushed really hard I yeah think. and so she was devastated when that happened so there would have been t tons of politics going on in oh, all of this and and yeah public pressure yeah public pressure um but yeah. yeah i actually would of all of these so far that we've read i want to learn more about her okay. i'm fascinated what about you we've gotten to um We've read nine different women. Is there one that, that may, you would like to dig deeper in? Oh, I... I'm putting you on the spot, but it's just, it's, I think, oh, there's got to be more to this story. All of these, there's so much more to the story. Oh, for sure. Elizabeth Elliot has always yeah. fascinated me, just her forgiveness and, yeah. I mean, it, it will be lovely to talk to these women <laughs> in heaven and, and yeah. But yeah, in the meantime, I'm so glad to know and learn just a little bit about her. Because again, this is a lady, Catherine de Bourbon, her life ended young. She thought she was, like, she wanted a baby so badly, um, and that didn't happen for her. And just things, again and again, that common theme, things do not go well necessarily, but it doesn't mean that it's not worth mm -hmm. um, giving up everything for Christ. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, she continued to trust even until the end. And that's the theme of all these women. They they remain steadfast in suffering and opposition and oppression and just difficulty. They remain steadfast. And may it be said of us that we would do the same. Yes. So we are here with Jalissa Weber today and just so super excited to have a conversation with you, Jalissa, and get to know you a little bit better. So why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, your family, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah, I attend here at Wallenstein with my lovely husband, Jordan, um, and we have two girls. Uh, Lena is three and a half, going on 13. Mm. Um, she's got all the... <laughs> The sass and the spunk right now. <laughs> and then I have, um, or we have Riley, who turned one in June. So that makes her 16 months. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, yeah, we have a, a busy, it feels like a busy stage right now, but <laughs> yeah. I do I do love it. Um, and then I work here at Wallenstein. I'm on staff um, at Children's Coordinator. What's my fancy title? Children's Coordinator for grades one to six. So... I oversee like our Sunday mornings and uh, kids home. Um, trying to think what else. I love people. I'm a people person. That's how I get energized. So, um, and you yeah. grew up here at the church, did? Yeah, yeah. Did Jordan as well? No, he did not. Okay. He he only attended here because of me. Oh. So yeah, he's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> he's him he's in. been brought in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but and your whole family attends here. Yeah. 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 They do. Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, we are talking right now about faithfulness in our podcast series. And uh, so when we think about faithfulness, we think about people in our lives who may be role models. And um, we just want to hear from you what you think about that. Do you think role models are important? And if so, how have they played a part in your life? Yeah, I think role models are very important because um, I think it's we, kind of a loaded question. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> you don't think they're important? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Move not. No. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely important because I think without realizing it, we mimic others, um, the people we are with, right? Yeah. Um, and so to have good role models in your life hopefully means that you have good influences that are are mm. how you are acting out than those things that you see. So. Yeah, I think if I could surround myself by role models 24-7, it would make me a better person. <laughs> but Is there someone who has played a significant role in your life? Yeah, I, I mean, I could easily talk about my own mom here, but I'm actually going to talk about Jordan's mom. Okay. Um, her name is Rhonda. And uh, when I first started hanging around Jordan, it would have been about five years after um, Jordan's younger brother passed away. Okay. Um, so I don't know if you... No, his name is Josh. It was a, a pond accident. Um, so yeah, very sudden. Um, so I got to meet Rhonda, like, yeah, just only five years after this happening. And I've been able to watch her as she's kind of, yeah, gone that journey of grief Process and, and processed that. it. And I have seen, like, she is just so strong to have gone through that. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of seen a change in her over these years. Um, that I just really admire too, like spiritually and even personally, I feel like she's become a stronger woman um, all through that. So 
I really admire her for that, but also she is so, so generous, not just with her money, but with her time. Like, if I need anything, like, she's going to drop whatever she's doing. She's going to rearrange her schedule, um, help me out. Like, she's super generous with her time with helping me with the girls, um, anything, really. She's mm-hmm. always available. Um, and lastly, I mean, I could go on and on about her, but <laughs> I also know she's so, so hardworking, but she's a Mary in a Martha world, if you know what I I mean by that. Like, she knows how to put down what she's doing. She'll put away her phone and and just be with whoever is around. Um, And she'll make you feel, like, important and and worth her time instead of, this is me. I would just be busy, like, doing dishes, even if I still have company over, just so I can get them done or something. But she, no, like, she just makes sure to to sit and to enjoy um, the people she's around. So yeah, she's a great role model for me. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And to, to say that about your mother-in-law, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So amazing. Well, and to be able to say it about both your mom and your mother-in-law. Yeah, absolutely. And then to have that legacy for your girls. That's yes. really beautiful. They got great grandmas. <laughs> so when we think about faithfulness, it's, it's easy to, to say that we're not being as faithful to God as we should be. Um, but, what are some examples of how you are being faithful in your current season of life? Yeah, like you said, I could probably list off all the areas <laughs> I want to be more faithful in. And like, yeah, there is such a list. But um, one thing that I have really tried to make priority is um, reading my Bible. Um, there was a period of time where it just like I was making every excuse not to just like Riley wakes up at six, so how am I gonna do it before? And I find at the in the evening, like my brain's just not there. And um, it's yeah, it's taken time, but I do wake up at six, even though Riley sometimes is with me at that time too. But um, and I like first thing I do, actually no, first thing I go pee, and then I start reading my Bible. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> I think we all needed to know. Yes, we all do that exactly. <laughs> But I make sure that's the first thing I do so that I'm not being distracted by, I don't know, there's millions of things you could do of course. first thing in the morning. As soon as you do something yeah. else first, it's like yeah. a train wreck, right? You just keep going that direction. Exactly. And I've been going through the Bible in a year, following on the Bible app. Um, Nikki Gumbel is, I don't know if I said that right, but he he's a creator of Alpha and he's created mm-hmm. this plan where you can go through the Bible in a year and he does like a devotional with it. And that has helped me to be, I don't know, more consistent with my Bible reading because I actually have a plan. Um, I'm not going to say how many days I've actually missed also on this plan, but I also try if I'm not reading it in the morning, I'm listening to it when I'm driving or, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just trying to make that a priority because without the Bible, like that's our lifeline, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but yeah, there's other areas like praying is something I really, really want to just do more and incorporate in everything that I do. So that's always kind of on the forefront of my mind. I'm, I'm still not great at it. So that's an area when I, where I want to grow. But Well, I think yeah. you just answered the next question. Oh. So we could almost skip that one. But maybe you have something else to say because it's true. And, and I love that we were asking this question, where are the things that you are faithful? Because 
it is we can so easily be like oh I'm failing at this I'm failing at that like that's human nature I think right to beat ourselves up but to actually take note of no there are good things happening too and and let's acknowledge those things but um where I guess when do you find it more difficult to be faithful like are there times and seasons where you find it more difficult yeah as I thought about this question I didn't really come with it come up with a good conclusion but because <laughs> I feel like I can struggle to be faithful when times are are even good because yeah. mm-hmm. I think I have it under control I think that everything's fine so why would I need to spend extra time mm-hmm. I don't know in prayer or something like it sounds silly saying out loud but I, I know I do that yeah. um, but then also when things are hard that's when it can be hard to be faithful as well when you feel like you're at the end of yourself and um but that's also when you find your need for God the most too. Um, So yeah, I didn't really come up with a good conclusion to this question. I think it's hard to be faithful all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. And you know, I think about myself, it's so easy to be like, well, yeah, I need to do this, but I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it tonight. And then tonight comes, well, maybe I'm too tired. I'll do it tomorrow morning. And, and so we can do Mm -hmm. that and we can get into that, um, uh, just a spiral effect really and um yeah so Mm -hmm. it's good to acknowledge that too when you think about steadfast endurance who in your life is a picture of steadfast endurance in the midst of trials yeah so you're going to learn more about jordan's family again (laughs) (laughs) as soon as i heard this question um his grandma came to mind um her name is wilma and i actually sat down and chatted with her as well to kind of hear her story again and also to get her perspective on just, she has a crazy story and I'll, I'll just kind of try and sum it up pretty quick, but um, it all started when she was 19. She went into the hospital uh, for about five weeks, ended up coming out almost fully blind. Um, mm-hmm. Before that she had her vision, right? And so she, yeah, she, I forget what it is that she had, um, but yeah, it caused her to lose her vision. Um, Over time, it did get a bit better since she came out of the hospital, um, but it was never, ever the same after that. Um, And during that time, she was engaged to, who is now her husband, um, Dave, and they ended up getting married. um, And then they found out... um, it was in that same year of getting married. Like this is all, I don't know the exact time frame, but like, I want to say close to a year. She found out then that her uh, parents were in a really bad car accident and her dad ended up passing away a few days later. Um, and her mom was seriously injured. She had seven kids at home still. And so that was like a big burden to, to really um, carry. And so this all happened. She was pregnant at the time. And then I want to say like a couple months later, she ended up um, giving birth to a baby boy, but he was actually stillborn. Mm. Um, Yeah. So it was just like one thing (laughs) after another. And she found out later that he probably could have been saved if they would have like performed a C-section like 10 minutes sooner or something. And so after she said that, like, how, how did you handle that? Like, I just can't imagine that sort of loss, all that loss. Again and again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and she said that, here, I wrote it down. Um, let me see. 
yeah, she said it was God's grace that gave her what she needed at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, anyways, that's not the end of her story. <laughs> she ended up having Colin then, that is Jordan's dad. Um, she ended up having Colin, and when he was about two or three, they went back to, like, an eye specialist. They hadn't done anything really in between that time when she was in the hospital until um, they went to this appointment. Um and she said that she was really clinging on to this hope that it would get better because it had in a little bit, a little bit since being in the hospital. Uh, but they went to this appointment and the eye doctor told her that like, um, it won't get better. If anything, it's only going to get worse from now on, um, which did end up happening. Like as time goes, has gone on, her vision just continued to get worse. Um, so yeah anyways she said that after hearing that news like it was just devastating to her like she was it took a lot out of her like she just was like on the couch trying to process this like um yeah so it was really hard to hear that um after that then she ended up having three miscarriages over that time (laughs) i know this is why i said she came to mind right away because it was trial upon trial for her Um, she did become pregnant again and they had her then in the hospital, like on bed rest, um, to hopefully save this baby. And she said that she was so scared. Like she was just really, really scared in the hospital there. Um, and they told her that, or she remembers being scared, but then remembering the verse, um, she quoted, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And that Mm kind of gave her the peace that she needed at that time. Um, yeah, she ended up having a C-section and having, um, her baby boy, Jeremy, that's Jordan's uncle, um, who is, yeah, he was premature, but he's healthy, fine. So, um, that was kind of the end of all those kinds of trials. Like they did have hardships, um, past that too. Like they had a shop burned down. Um, they had to process the grief of losing their grandson, Josh, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, after talking with Wilma about all this, um, and just also knowing too that now most of her vision is gone and, and she has to rely on others to do the cooking, to help her get around, that sort of thing. Um, she just said that her prayer every day is that she can be a light to those around her, um, despite how, yeah, the different things that she faces. And it was just incredible to hear all this from her. And um, so... It just, and she never complains. I don't ever hear her complain or, um, yeah. So uh, she has a big testimony to share. Wow. And, uh, yeah, she's very I don't faithful. even know what to say to you. It's <laughs> just like, we have nothing to complain about. I know. Nothing. I was saying that earlier, and now it's like even more true. Like, oh, wow. Okay, so I feel like I had a bad day. No, I no. had a fine day. <laughs> totally fine day. Okay, yeah. well, so that's an example to you um, of someone that you look to who has been mm-hmm. steadfast. Can you tell us about a time that you have found God to be steadfast, sufficient, and faithful in your life? Yeah, um, so there's a specific day that comes to mind that mm-hmm. I felt these things, that God was steadfast and sufficient and faithful. Um, and this was back in 2015. Um It was the day that my oldest brother, Adrian, was missing. Um, At that time, he was struggling with depression. Um, There is, and then there's evidence that pointed to a possible suicide Mm -hmm. um, that day. Uh, His 
van was parked by the mill race in St. Jacob's and his wallet and his keys were in the van. Um, and he was nowhere to be found. Like there has, there had been people looking for him already, I think in the night. Um, and yeah, there's also, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the place, but there's also a, a train bridge that goes over the river. That's really easy to accessible. So yeah, you can just about imagine what everyone was, was thinking. Um, and yeah, that day just consisted of me searching for him, not knowing if he was dead or alive. Sorry, it still does make me emotional thinking about this day. Um, and I just remember... Um, that unknown, right? Yeah. When you don't know. Oh, it was know. so hard. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why this is my was my initial reaction. Like, every there was a whole bunch of people when I woke woke up in the kitchen and they were telling me what was up and I was like okay I'm gonna go take a shower (laughs) I don't know why um and so I just remember though like breaking down in the shower and being like god I don't want to lose my oldest brother today like this like I can't imagine that kind of sorrow and it was just like yeah I just remember kind of breaking down and, and pouring out my heart to him in there um and then later that day I was driving around with my friend trying to think wherever he could be I don't know what do you do when yeah it was just kind of kind of just doing what you could to feel useful um and so we were driving around and I still remember um the spot on the highway we were close to the roundabout but I remember this overwhelming piece where God I wouldn't say he told me but I just felt or understood that he was okay And I don't know what that really meant. I just knew he was okay. And so I felt like that's what I needed to hear to continue on because I didn't, I don't know what to do. So it's a free fall when you, when you just feel hopeless and helpless. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I felt so helpless because all you could do was, was surrender and, and trust in God at that time. So, um, But yeah, that did give me like this peace and this, um, I don't know, I still didn't know if that actually meant he was okay because he was in heaven and Mm -hmm. and with God or if he was actually physically okay. Um, But I later did find out that day that he had followed the train tracks, like he was on that bridge, but he had um, followed the train tracks by foot to Grand River Hospital and had admitted himself there. And he was okay. (laughs) Um, and so at that time I was dating Jordan, but he was in at Crane Lake, uh, chiefing and he was able to call me. They kind of told him what happened that day and he came and called me. And I just remember on that phone call, like, well, it was a whirlwind of a day, but just remembering that like God was there, God was faithful despite not knowing the outcome of what the day would be. Um, and yeah, it just was kind of incredible to actually be able to give the praise to God. I mean, I hope I could say that no matter the outcome, but I did feel, did feel like God had given us what we needed that day. And yeah, it was kind of crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a great story. It's so lovely of you to share that story. And, and also knowing that your brother is aware that you're telling that story yeah. and that he's you know, he's able and willing to share it. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's really, like, to get to that place it is a sign of good health, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. good. He's been on an incredible journey, and I was able to tell him um, 
like how proud I am of him mm-hmm. for um, how far he's come since that point. And yeah. It was a good brother-sister moment. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> That's good. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. yeah. We like to ask every guest to share a story about brokenness to beauty. So, Jalissa, can you tell us about a time in your life where you felt broken, but God has turned it into something beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I feel almost silly talking about what I'm going to share because I know so many mothers have experienced similar things or even, like, more difficult circumstances, but... Well, you've already shared those. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but I do feel that God has te- taught me so much, and I've learned so much through what I'm going to share. So, of course, I'm going to share it anyways. But um, I'll start from the beginning. I always wanted to be a mom. It was just a desire of mine as, as young as I can remember. I loved playing with dolls probably until I was way too old to play with dolls. And um, So, yeah, it's always been my desire to be a mom. And um, so down the road met Jordan fell in love got married la da da and he the lord blessed me blessed that desire to be a mom by giving me lena um and i loved that first year with lena like i i loved it it's probably going to be one of my favorite years yeah i don't know is that a thing? <laughs> um but it brought me so much joy to just um be her mom and she was an easy happy baby um, and you guys are probably wondering where I'm going with my story. Sounds <laughs> lovely. I know. So <laughs> um, but I can s- remember, like, even to the day, being like, oh, I just want another baby so bad. Like, this was after Lena had turned one, and I was like, I'm so ready to have another. And um, I wanted a- another baby, like, more than anything at that point. Um, however, Jordan and I were not on the same page about it. Uh, he did not think it would should be time yet. And this created like a lot of tension between us for what felt like a long time. It wasn't even that long, maybe like two months where we were kind of going back and forth about wanting this second child. Um, anyways, obviously you know how the, how this there's another, there's, there's, there's another baby. There's another baby. <laughs> so kind of got Spoiler my way. <laughs> and I did become pregnant uh, with Riley. And uh, the pregnancy went great. I was so excited to have another baby. And she was born June 1st, which was actually I found out the day that Wilma's dad passed away. That was mm-hmm. kind of cool finding that out. Anyway, so Riley was born. Uh, things seemed great. For the first little bit and I remember it was exactly when she turned two weeks old um, that day she spent just screaming I don't know like yeah it all of a sudden I was like I don't know what to do no matter what I did would not calm her it would not um, help her at all and so of course I do what every mom probably has done I called my mom <laughs> and I was like I don't know what to do I need you to help me I was exhausted Lena is also a very I mean all kids at this age are very energetic and need a lot of attention she was she comes from fun town so it feels like I have to always be doing something fun for her and so just the mixture of having this like did, did you say she comes from fun yeah. town? <laughs> Everything she does has to be fun. Um, but anyway, so 
managing that with this screaming newborn, like it just became too much. Um, and so, yeah, I called my mom. She came over and helped. Um, and this continued on. And so I remember going to a midwife appointment um, a few days later and, and telling her the symptoms that Riley had been showing. And she's like, it, it kind of sounds like colic or um, she might have colic, but she's like, but it's okay. It only lasts for four months. It's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> after like hearing that, like that is not encouraging at all. Like four months sounded like a death sentence almost. Like yeah. to yeah. have to go through that for, for four months yet. Um, and I'm still not sure if it was colic that she had. I don't even know what is the definition of colic, but. I don't think anybody knows. Yeah, so no. Colic, colic when <laughs> they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And. And like, obviously there were moments where she wasn't screaming. It wasn't horrible all the time, but it was just this like dread of like, when is the next wave going to hit and, yeah. and how are we going to manage? And, um, but anyways, we did find out later too, when she's about five months old, that she had food sensitivities. And I remember hearing the list of things that like bothered her. And I was like, okay, if I cut this out of her diet, then, or I actually... Um, was breastfeeding her and decided to do um, like to bottle feed her right to cut that all out and I had put so much hope into the fact that like these um, changing her diet would hopefully change her grumpiness <laughs> and um, I even came out of the appointment like crying happy tears because I'm like I finally you have, have answers solution. yeah it was not the answer like it did help in some ways um yeah, she didn't scream every time I put her in the car and we drove somewhere. That was good. Um, but, <laughs> but she still wasn't um, what I had hoped. Like, Lena was so easy, so I just assumed, like, I would have another easy baby. But no. Um, so, yeah, each month dragged on. And you know how it's a thing that moms in that first year do those like milestone pictures once they hit a month then you take a picture yeah. do an update I had done that with Lena so I had to do that with Riley right yeah <laughs> um and I just remember uh okay I, every month when that would come around the dread of like what do I write because mm. I did not have anything positive to say like mm. I was it was a really dark time for me. And so when that month would come around, I always thought that the next month I would be able to say something um, more positive, that it was a better month, that I was enjoying her more. But like it felt like each month it was almost worse because I was seeing how these other moms in there with their babies were just enjoying their children so much. And I was not. I, I really was struggling. And... Um, yeah, it almost kind of put me in this disp depressed state for a bit when I had to, like, think of something to say. So if you look back on my posts, I'm really just lying about <laughs> that. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I, I hate to say this out loud, but I was struggling to the point where I didn't even feel like I loved Riley mm. because I just dreaded each day like I did not want to even get out of bed because I didn't want to have to face what was ahead um yeah I hated waking up every day because I already dreaded the day ahead of me I dreaded trying to put Riley down for naps when she would fight it so much while having a toddler needing a thousand different things 
I hated that I was so impatient and short with Lena because I was so drained. I hated that I became a monster in the middle of the night every single time. <laughs> I hated that I had no desire to be intimate with my husband because I had nothing left in me to give. Um, I hated that I was running on empty night and day, but mostly I hated the thought that I was being punished for wanting this baby so bad when Jordan didn't. I struggled so much with this lie where I just thought I was being punished. And I hated that I wanted to be a mom so bad and that God would use this to, to like punish me. I don't know. I was in a really dark, twisted mm -hmm. <laughs> spot at that point. Um, yeah, it still feels fresh to me. <laughs> I'm still like processing it. And like, I know it's a lie. And I'm going to take a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very recent. Yeah, like, yeah. She's, she's only 16 yeah, months old. Yeah, it's very for sure. Recent. It is recent. and But I do feel like... I needed to share this because I feel like there's other moms too that, yeah. um, yeah, not believing the things ex maybe that I was believing, but struggling with the newborn stage and it is a very hard that. stage. Yeah, very yeah. Hard. I still have a twitch from my <laughs> <laughs> my now 18 year old. Oh, <laughs> love him to bits, but yes. until he started moving. Yeah. He cried nonstop. Okay. Same thing what you're yeah. saying. And I'm actually nervous to hold other babies ever since because I, I can't, I, that whole thing of crying, I totally understand yes. what you're saying yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it was just so much harder for me too, I think, because my first experience with Lena was so, so good. good. Yeah. Um, and so I was always comparing it to that. Right? Because you did that. So what's wrong with you that you couldn't exactly, do it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All of it's a lie. Um, it is. And I, I can definitely recognize that now. Um, and I feel like as time slowly went by, it did slowly go by. Even though every mother says like, oh, it goes by so fast. Like <laughs> I actually feel like that year went by really, really slow for me. Um, but I do feel like my brokenness over that time slowly has been put back together. I'm still healing, but... I, it was through times of like calling out to God. Like I remember being on my bedroom floor calling out to God because I had nothing left in me. And, um, and I repeated this verse like in the middle of the night and day, like all the time. It's um, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I remember just taking apart that verse and really trying to understand what it meant to, to be thankful in everything and trying to do that. When I was listening to Riley scream after putting her down for a nap, I would try to list things I was thankful for. I, it was an opportunity to, to just pray and surrender to God and say, I don't know what to do anymore. So like... Literally, it felt like each nap time was a time to pray and surrender. Um, and yeah, I was just, it was a time where I really had to find what to be thankful for. But it was really good for me to do that. Um, and I feel like it was a time where it was my first experience of having to endure over a long period of time. Mm. And kind of knowing 
not, I don't know actually, but um, to like solely relo- rely on Christ mm-hmm. in that to be your strength. Um, yeah, I also had a wonderful group of mom friends that helped me out over the time that experience things very similar to what I was experiencing so being able to fully just tell them how I was feeling I did feel understood because I knew that they they understood Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so I'm so thankful for them in that time too but um I want to conclude with something I read actually while at work um, a few weeks ago and I read it and I was like oh yes this just speaks to me about what I went through and who God is and continues to be for me. But it said that God is the author of all that is good in our lives. God is the giver of all that is good in our lives. And God is the sustainer of all that we need. When we believe the lie that it is any other way, that was me, I was believing a lie, uh, we deceive ourselves. But when we embrace the reality of God's goodness and provision, we will find great rest and hope. We will walk more humbly and confidently through the mountains and the valleys of life, knowing from whom every good and perfect gift comes. Mm. And I can confidently say this, that Briley is such a gift um, to me because she has taught me all these things and she has allowed my relationship with God to deepen Mm. and to actually understand to like fully rely on him for my strength. Um, But you should know that Riley's name means courageous. That's Riley. And her middle name is Hope. And I believe she has given me courageous hope Mm -hmm. in my Lord and Savior for whatever comes my way. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Tell us about Riley now. Oh, yeah. See, now I just want to, like, boast about her. (laughs) Yes, because she has become such, like, a joy to me. And it is since she's been able to like move around and get around. On is her it own. really? Is it the same? Yeah, like it seems that she. I mean, she still, of course, has her moments. I still wish she wouldn't get up at six a.m. all the time. <laughs> but beyond that, like she is just such a delight right now, and seeing her bond with Lena grow is so much fun. And okay, she, well, yeah. from the future, let me just yeah. tell you, <laughs> happiest guy ever. Okay, crazy. like he went from like yeah until he moved it was terrible all those things okay and then and ever since he has been he puts himself to bed he <laughs> did like right from like he would as soon as he's tired he goes to bed but he also would wake up and uh, we'd wake up and we'd hear a noise and he'd be downstairs playing yeah that's amazing <laughs> just it's like he needed to move yeah it yeah. wouldn't that be funny if it's the same thing? i yeah i yeah. almost believe it because i like just tonight like she does the cutest things already and it's so sweet like we were eating hamburgers and she was putting the bun on her hamburger and saying night night like (laughs) (laughs) and like yeah she's just at the fun stage too but she's like even when I tell her to do something she goes and does it now like she's kind of in that stage it's just so fun but yeah it's so I have a question for you, Lynn. Oh, sure. Is this child, is he your last one? Yeah. Or did you go on to have more no, after that? He, he's the last, but he is always going to be the last. Okay. <laughs> so that, he's number four. He is yeah, number four. Okay. But I did, I, de- I definitely said many times, if we had had him first, I don't know if I could have gone on. Yeah. But at the same time, like, yeah, he is, like you said, like you said about Riley, such a gift. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine 
and he like he's he just brings so much life and light yeah. and joy and <laughs> but yeah. we give him a very hard time <laughs> for how terrible oh like uh, I'm just reliving it all now. yes <laughs> Crazy. <sighs> Deep breaths. It yeah. is going to be okay. Yes. And I can confidently say that to myself too. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I know I'm past the worst of it now, right? Yeah. I just now have this fear. Like, if I'm to ever have another child, like, oh, to experience that again would be hard. Well, it's interesting, right? Because you don't want to diminish how hard it is because it is. Like, mm-hmm. like you feel like you're at the end of yourself. But it's also true that it is a short time. Yeah. And so how you balance that tension is yeah. is really tricky because you don't want to under, like, not give value to that when, when mm-hmm. you know, you're sleep deprived and, mm-hmm. you know, you want to acknowledge that to all the moms out there who are feeling that mm-hmm. and feeling like, I don't think I can do this. To be told, oh, it, it's going to be so good. Yeah. Soon. Like, that's, that can be hard to take, yeah. as you well know. But, but it actually is, there is hope in that. Like it there really is. isn't gonna last forever. Yeah, it, and no, and I'm I'm learning too that like, and you as, like moms to older children, I'm sure really understand this. Like things constantly change. It's yeah. not always gonna be the same. <laughs> no, right. But when you're in it, you think yes. it's gonna be yeah. forever. Yes, but yeah. it's not. No, it's not. No. So I don't know. I think. Oh, can I say it? Yeah, I'm gonna say it. Where I would choose to actually go through that again to have a greater understanding and a greater relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. Whatever it is we're going through, that's what God's doing. He's taking us to a place where we can get to know him more intimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I'm going to say always, it is always worth it. Like mm-hmm. regardless of what we go through. Yeah. It's, but it it's, almost always doesn't feel like it's worth it. When no. we're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Right. We, and we dread the thought of going through it again. Yeah. Like that's, you know, yeah. like, you know, you lose someone to to a, a death or something. And, yeah. and you the intimacy, the closest you feel to God at that time. But it doesn't mean I want someone else to die. No, <laughs> like, no. Like, no. like no. that, but that's just how life is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. I know there's Thank some moms you. out there who are feeling heard mm. <laughs> and yes. seen yeah. just for hearing that story. For sure. So we like to end every podcast episode with some rapid fire questions about your favorite things. Jalissa, what's your favorite food? Ooh, I didn't come prepared to answer this one. (laughs) (laughs) I am such a sweet tooth, so I love anything sweet. Um, I just made pumpkin tort and I love eating Mm. pumpkin tort. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. Yeah, I'll say that. (laughs) Favorite book? Um... I love Francine Rivers, mm-hmm. her, uh, Redeeming Love, I think will always be my favorite book. Okay. It's a good yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite way to relax? Ooh. Oh, up north, we go way up north each summer to a place called Bisco, and it's like, you feel like you're on a whole new planet because of how like peaceful mm-hmm. and um, quiet it is up there. So being... Up in Bisco, floating on a tube with a cold drink. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, your favorite app on your phone. Oh, favorite app. i got to look at my phone really quick. (laughs) (laughs) The one you use all the time, so you don't even know you have it anymore. Yeah. I mean, the Bible app is really, really handy. Which Bible app do you use? I just use, 
it's called Holy Bible. You version. You version. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, which as like a young mom who doesn't have that much time to just sit and read to be able to listen is that is really a great heavy. gift that our generation yeah. has. I yeah. should I shouldn't say our generation, but this generation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for mm-hmm. chatting with us. It's really great to hear your stories and think it's really a bit better. Our art piece today is taking us on a bit of a journey. So as you know, we're talking about the book 12 Faithful Women and talking about um, their steadfast faith, how they endured. And I thought it would be interesting because when we look at art and we look at different part pieces of art, um, that is an area where people are very much influenced by those who have gone before them too. So just as we are hopefully influenced by, uh, in good ways and in um, challenging ways by those that we are reading about, um, the artist I've chosen today was very much influenced by the artist that I showed you last time. Do you remember who that was, Shannon? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Her eyes got really big. I don't remember names. That's okay. Do you remember? Um, I'll just remind you, and if you have if you are listening for the first time, I encourage you to go back and find the links in the show notes for our last episode. Um, it was the the painting was called Census at Bethlehem. It was by Peter Bruegel, and it was a painting he sort of mm-hmm. uh, in his mind imagined what it might have been like for Mary and Joseph to appear in his own town Mm -hmm. in Bethlehem. So the artist today I want to show you is his name is William Kurelik and he is actually Canadian. He's no longer with us but um, he is much more modern day uh, and he was very heavily influenced by Bruegel and so he also did uh, actually several different paintings that envisioned what it might have looked like for Mary and Joseph to appear um, in in your in his setting. So this one that I want to show you is called We Find All Kinds of Excuses. That's what it's actually called. And can you describe this painting, Shannon? So it's winter and there are very few people in in the painting compared to the one last time where it was like a crowded <laughs> yes quite street. a difference isn't it yeah and what is that is it like a cave or a uh, oh so there's the animals prairies. think about the prairies i don't know if you're familiar okay. with how um so this is actually a, a hay pile and there's a cow and some horses that are eating yeah yeah uh, and so life is kind of going well. Life, it's it's stark, it's white, it's flat. <laughs> yeah. Think prairies. Yeah. But then, what's happening in the middle there? Can you see? Is there? There's a person in there, like taking shelter in the haystack. There is a person taking shelter. It's very in tiny. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna zoom in. Oh, there's Mary. It's Mary. Mary is with her baby Jesus, and. Um, you know, just like how we would sort of envision, oh, it just got clearer. <laughs> it just got really clearer. I don't know what I did, but that's pretty cool. Um, there, there she is with baby Jesus and what's going on around her. The animals are eating the hay. They're eating 
And and what about over to the right of the? the oh, image? there's. It looks like there's children playing. Just playing. Yep. And over to the left, it looks like a f farmer doing something with a horse. Yep. And and if you remember, uh, the title of this painting is called "We Find All Kinds of Excuses." So lots of things going on, and we don't have time to take notice of what's right in front of us. Oh, wow. Isn't that great? That's a really cool painting. Check it out for sure. It's this one's neat. Really, really neat. So, you know, we're, we're starting to get into that Christmas season. We're not quite there yet, but it is a great time to start thinking, but what do you want to do? How do you want to remember Christmas and, and keep it holy? Let's turn to God's Word again and see what we can learn from Scripture about faithfulness. In our last episode, we uh, simply read several passages that speak to faithfulness. And this is a quality, as you know, that belongs to God alone in perfection. We are, we are never going to be perfectly faithful, but um, He does call us to, to do that, to, to live faithful lives, to be steadfast, to be reliable, to be unwavering. Um, we'll never be perfect at it, but we are called to it. Uh, so today we want to look at a few people in the scriptures who were faithful and see what we can learn from their lives. And the first um, pair of men we're going to talk about, uh, probably many of you, I, I certainly didn't really know much of them. Um, we don't hear a lot about them, but their names are Hanani and Hananiah. <laughs> And uh, they're in the book of Nehemiah. So when Nehemiah had to um, leave Jerusalem, so he was a cupbearer to the king in Persia. Then he went to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And then when he had to leave Jerusalem to return to Persia, he put these two men, Hananiah and Hananiah, in charge. And let's uh, read a passage from Nehemiah 7 that, uh, speaks to why he chose these two particular men. Nehemiah 7 verses 1 and 2 say, Now when the wall had been built, and I had set up the doors, and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. So, um... This passage really speaks to the fact that these men were, were faithful and God-fearing. That was the reason for his choice. Nehemiah needed men of character whom he could trust, men who would not take bribes, who were um, committed to the welfare of the people, who would uphold the integrity of the office. And notice also um, that faithfulness in this passage is associated with fearing God. And so the more we truly know God, the more we will want to imitate him, the more we will want to be faithful like he is faithful. Another faithful man that we want to talk about in scripture is Epaphras. Epaphras was the one who brought the gospel to the church in Colossae, and he's described as a faithful man. In Colossians 1, verses 5 to 8, it says this, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, 
as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So here we see that Epaphras is called a faithful minister of Christ. He was known as a faithful man. Another faithful man in scripture, I think we would all agree, is Moses. Hebrews 3 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. And I think it's quite remarkable because Moses wasn't perfect, was he? He he killed a man. He killed an Egyptian. He disobeyed God in the whole water from the rock incident. But yet the New Testament labels him, calls him faithful. And and that's that's how God thought of him as well. That's just amazing. Um, Hebrews 11, of course, gives us a list of faithful men and women. Hebrews 11 is also often referred to as the Hall of Faith. And in the Hall of Faith, we see people like uh, Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Sarah, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, Rahab. And notice that, that none of these people were perfect. In fact, some of them were far from perfect. Some of them committed sins like adultery and murder and lust, but um, they were repentant and forgiven. And, and God has looked at their hearts and the overall theme of their lives and has called them faithful. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. We too can live lives that, you know, although they're not perfect, they are marked by faithfulness. You know, I love that the first three names you shared of, as faithful people um, were names that we aren't too familiar with. Mm. And and just because, um, you know, you're not famous or well-known in your community doesn't mean that you can't be faithful and right. that God doesn't call you to that um, and he will see your faithfulness. And maybe you're just called to be faithful to your family and and that's or or to you you know, those close around you. That's really all we're asked to do. We're and that's asked. a high calling. It's a that's, high calling. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, so I don't mean to say that it's just but we, no, we, I'm just thinking it's it's often more difficult to be faithful in your own home. Yeah. Like to to be godly in your own yeah. home. Like if I can get to the end of this life and have my my kids say that wow she was faithful to God, you know I can't I don't ask for anything more like that's yeah. huge like that's just be that would just be so humbling and amazing yeah. and it's exactly who I want to be when I grow up yeah. <laughs> Well, so thank you so much for listening again. We are so honored that you take time out of your day and uh, or wherever you are. Maybe it's at night. Maybe it's um, as you're walking somewhere or whatever. You are taking time to listen and we hope that you're blessed and, and that God speaks to you in some way. We thank Jalissa for joining us, for sharing her story with us and 
I'm going to close again. If you remember for this series, I'm closing by reading the Apostles' Creed. And as I, I read through it, I, I wonder if, as, as I get to the end of each sort of statement, if you can just sort of pause and ask yourself, do I believe that? And and if you do, just say, yes, Lord, or amen, or just just take some time to really mull over these words. And so we'll close with this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Thank you for listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.